Welcome to the 212 Podcast. We have another industry pro on the episode today to talk us through a different sector in the game. She is the company owner of Staffing Lynchpin Select Security and Stewarding, which has been running for a massive 20 years. She would have seen a lot of change to staffing within that time. She has worked on British Pride and British Summertime in Hyde Park, as well as Lumiere. Crowd management is her thing, and that is going to be needed in the coming months to get it all back up and running. Our next guest is Annie Shabib. How are you and where are you today, Annie? Hi, morning, Dan. We're in uh, sunny Brighton, which is a lovely part of the south coast of the UK. Um, and we're just uh, still working at my home office at the moment. So, uh, yeah, managing operations from 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 home. Before you found your kind of shtick with with the, the security and stewarding and, and the management of people, uh, how did you... What work were you doing before to get into events? Was there was there a path into what you're doing now? Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. I guess it was really early in my career when I got into doing security and streaming, and I kind of fell into it because we were looking after. Well, I was at university, and we were we were we started a, a big free festival in Brighton in 1994. I want to say <laughs> it was a long time ago, and and it kind of for me it sort of snowballed from there, and I I got into doing streaming, and when I when I left university, I was sort of already in the in 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 that world. So so, it, you know, it's been a very organic twenty years for me in terms of how the company's developed. And I think where we are now is not where we started, but the learnings from then are still kind of prevalent today. So so yeah, I think we 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 have seen a lot of changes in the industry in the time, but also we've sort of changed with it in terms of as a company. So so yeah. What, what was the free we're... festival? Uh, it was Brighton Festival of Freedom in '94, and it was it was in uh, actually very close to where my office is now. So I'm still very local to where the very first festival we ever did. So, and we've got some fantastic photos and slides because, of course, you didn't in that. But you know, there was it, there's very little on the internet about it. There's some some old old posters of, of Dread Zone and various other people who played very early in the, in the '90s. So so yeah, that was that was kind of my background came from from party and protest a little bit. So so yeah, I think we've we've certainly grown up since then. I think select is a really different you know it's a, it's, a, it's a different thing to how it started 20 years ago so so yeah but it still has its roots definitely <laughs> did you did is that still going uh the, the, oh no, no the festival was it was 94 and 95 and then then we moved on to do do dance parade which was another big event and that was in 96 and 97 in brighton and uh this was kind of the precursor to some of the the the, the large events people do talk about still like fat boy slim on brighton beach and all of those kind of ones that were very early in the in in the in in the 2000s um and were, kind of were you there for that one annie Yes, it was one yeah. of our, our, yeah, it was. It it's was one I've tried to explain to people about <laughs> about Fat Boy Slim on the beach and they don't quite yeah. comprehend how massive it was. Uh, talk yeah. us through what that actually, what that was like being there and, and how many people were actually there. Well, it was, it, it was, I mean, I think when you're in the moment, it's very different to all of the analytical work we've done afterwards about it. So, so, you know, we were, I was in my early twenties at the time. So this is not, you know, this is, this was, I wasn't the experienced crowd manager I am now. And it's interesting because the more you know about risk, the more you can see and perceive what has kind of happened to you over the years. But but I think at, at the time being being there in the moment, you felt it was going to get busy from around two o'clock in the afternoon. And of course, just as an open access site, it, it had like, it, it has stairwells onto Brighton Beach, but it's 
essentially it's open access so anybody can come. And I think that, you know, their predictions of sort of, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, eight to 10,000 expected because that's what they had for the cricket year before. And then, of course, they announced that Boy Slim and, and Radio One started to announce that with in the in the you know breakfast show and you know the the that that was a big media at the time really is is through Radio One and those sort of uh, BBC channels and and you know it just threw it threw it out of control completely and and what happened is we ended up with over a hundred thousand down there and and the numbers were were you know just swelled and and, and swelled and, and and there was in the end nowhere for anyone to go and I think it was you know as much as it was a it was a challenging experience. It wasn't as you would expect it to be. We weren't in the moment panicking about about what happened. We withdrew the staff from the waterline because they were, you know, they were in some danger in that area. But really, you know, when you work on those kind of events, you, you realise that it's also about audience profile and the fact that people were aiming to help each other in that situation. So people who were interviewed afterwards about what it was to be in the moment as a, in, in, in the crowd is a really different experience to what you would expect for that kind of mass number turning up and and you know but it shaped a lot of the forward thinking in Brighton after that about how to manage events so so the the learnings from it were incredible and being in the moment was incredible and it's very hard to understand but there's some wonderful footage out there of of what it looked like when someone goes up a lamppost and then Fat Boy Slim calls him down and 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 the command that someone has in, on the stage over an audience like that to keep them calm it's uh you know and it it was it, it wasn't a panicky moment it was just in, in in the moment it was quite different i think so i hope that makes sense <laughs> yeah no it's it, i mean i try yeah it's it's hard to even explain and i think if anyone yeah. if anyone hasn't seen it then then go and look at the footage online you know fat boy slim yeah. um you know, big, big, big beach boutique with the with the first yeah. one. So, uh, just how many were there? There was only a million people there, wasn't it? It, it yeah, it wasn't. I, I don't think that, you know the numbers weren't quite a million, but there were. You know, there was there was like fifteen to twenty times the number expected on site. So, so obviously all of the kind of, you know, the the parking and the infrastructure and the toilets and the and the train station. You know, they all all of those kind of services collapsed very early in 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 the proceeding. And and essentially it was, you know, looking back on it, there was a lot of you know damage to Brighton Beach, but it you know the, the and and uh, you know the 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 weight of that kind of people isn't safe and we know that now and I think you know we've done it so many times academically with for example Sussex University we did a huge project with them over it and looking at at, at the event control logs and all the other things that came out of there um but that's still a different psychology to the 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 moment of being there and, and unless you perceive the risk then you don't you know uh, uh, you know risk is about perception a lot of the time so you know you can draw parallels with Israel last week and what happened with the perception of risk in that situation with a religious festival as you can with a rave on Brighton Beach so I think there are learnings across events it's knowing your audience profile and knowing your you, you know that there are you know there are definitely set ways of doing crowd management that there weren't 20 years ago and and you know that the book's being written all the time in terms of a new science but there's also knowing your audience profile they're kind of two two parts of the same two components of the same thing does that I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the, and and you know, despite my twonky accent, I'm from Brighton as well. But um, it's yeah. <laughs> um, it's just it shaped so much of of what Brighton is. I think it probably, even though Brighton had that culture of, you know, the uh, you know mods and rockers and uh, yeah. and and you know the pier and the beach and you know it's all, all uh, known for these these uh, these certain areas but i think that really 
put us put Brighton on 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 the map a little bit. Yeah, I think it, and and it's talked about it in all sorts of terms. Both it, it's funny because if you go to the emergency planning college in in Easingwold, where they teach people about crowd management in in the UK, and they 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 use it and have done for years and years as a case study into crowd disasters. So I, I find it hard to equate in that moment to a crowd disaster where people are killed and where where you know a Hillsborough or a you know a Droysburg or any you know it just doesn't equate in my head that way. I think it puts on a map in another way as well which is the learnings that came out of it so so you know I, I kind of see it slightly differently because I was wearing you know you wear a hat alongside agencies and you see what people have gone through and and you know it was a you know for some people that that experience police and council I think was a really difficult one and and uh, it, you know I, yeah there's a there's there's a balance in there somewhere and I think it was good for learning really so it's not all negative in terms of what it left us with I guess but I guess learning is is what we need to do in this, this in this in this industry as well, and, and it's it's yeah, obviously sure. everything's completely changed from 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 then. You know, when you had that uh, had that event on on the beach, then it went to uh, an event that had fencing around it, and then it went eventually yeah. to to Brighton uh, and Hope Albion Stadium as well. So, I mean, sure. for, for you and talking about pivoting and 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 learning these different things, now your company is is not kind of just security staff it's stewarding as well have you managed to pivot into say uh covid marshalling or the or the like yeah i think we've we've kind of pivoted off in all sorts of weird directions that that you know i think if you'd asked us a year and a half ago what was our trajectory it would be to continue to do what we do for a living then obviously the bottom fell out of it so we had to find uh find new ways to 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 you know and, and and i think I think as an industry, we're actually really good at that because you give us a bit of gaffer tape and you give us a bit of of, of string and, and a couple of bits of Paris fencing, and we can normally put together a show. So we're quite ingenious in terms of as an industry how we normally work. And I think that's really helped us as a, a company to kind of make those changes. And, and those changes have kind of been into, like you said, COVID marshalling, and that's a big thing for us at the moment. So so I think the, the piece about keeping the city safe and reminding people about social distancing as we open the road back in the UK has been, you know, a, a, a big piece of what we, we've been doing alongside the police. And But we've also kind of pivoted off into a lot more uh, sort of the relief effort in the first place definitely so there was there was work around the hospitals and some of the the the, the tougher end of of the work in the early stages of, of of last year and then we're also kind of doing we're doing a lot of COVID safety training with with teams that are getting moving so there are sort of things beginning to happen now and those teams do need training as well as 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 staffing um, and you know our consultancy world is growing so I'm not sure we're ever going to go back to where we were. I think our trajectory has changed probably for good. And I think it is good for the company because we're now doing what we're specialists at, which is to help people to keep things safe when there are crowds around. And that's after 20 years what we've earned our stripes in doing. So I, I don't feel any guilt in in and I, in fact, I celebrate the process of the pivot and change within what we're doing. So, yeah, you mentioned there about the changing of the people that you have and, and what they're what they're going to be uh, trained in. I, I mean, yeah. just for the sheer scale of some of these uh, events and these marshalling and and the, yeah. the 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 kind of training that needs to be involved to, to go through these. Uh, how yeah. do you how do you, are you finding there's enough good people out there that you can bring in? And, you know, how, how's, what's that process been like for you? 
That's a, that's a really topical question at the moment because we work with the United Kingdom Crowd Management Association, which is which is the short, in short the UK CMA, and that uh, is an association which looks after sort of the large security companies who do crowd management and crowd management practitioners. And and there is a there is a big call from the UK CMA at the moment that there there is a shortage of staff in the industry, and and likewise there's also a similar call from the uh, UK DSA who look after the door supervisors in in night in nighttime economy, so the the kind of pubs and clubs world. So uh, both associations and football are all at an operational level saying, hey, we've got a problem here. We haven't got enough staff available, and and we. I think, you know, part of our pivot is to move away from mass staffing and to move into smaller numbers of staff who are well trained. And we have a team who've been with us, most of them for over 10 years. And those people are still with us. And we've managed to keep them working over the pandemic in all these different areas. So those people will pivot back into doing events on a high senior level. But we, we I think one of the biggest challenges at the moment to the industry, and it's certainly in the survey that we provided last week from members was a big key thing which was you know the shortage of staff in the industry is going to be a huge challenge but not only for door staff but also for riggers and technicians and and all of the people who make events happen and and transport operatives now we don't know how many of those people have moved into other work and will not pivot back into doing events so you know event organizers need i think to be really prepared for this both that there's an increase in the requirement of mitigation because of covid in terms of the numbers of staff that are needed plus there's a decrease potentially in the number of staff available so so you know we from a safety staff perspective it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dicey edge and either the industry will sort it or we will see a collapse of certain uh, events or dangerous situations at certain events. It's going to be one or other. Um, but we're a resilient industry. So, so you know, as an industry, I, I think we've coped with a, a lot. And, and I think that will set us in good stead to be able to cope with, with further changes. With that as well, you it's it's double edged because you uh, you inherently would if you were a parent of a of of some a, a, of someone younger who wants to get into the into a career and then you look at what's happened to 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 the music scene and and the arts yeah. and entertainment industry you'd be you'd be saying well that's not a secure uh, secure secure space yeah and i think it's about gaining confidence both back in the public uh, you know i think there is a huge piece of hearts and minds to do over over this but there's also making sure the governments give backing to 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 the right areas of support in terms of training and and, and to to make available and and attractive the the prospect of working in the industry but you know it's never been a a particularly professional or attractive place to work that's not what it prides itself on it prides itself on the fact it creates great gigs and that's a very interesting difference when when people now thinking about welfare and, and 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 mental health and well-being so much more than they were a year ago so you know that's a hot topic isn't it so you know the job of any security company now is to to ensure that their staff welfare and well-being is at the heart of what they're doing and the jobs that they take on are manageable from the number of staff that they have and uh, available so people don't over promise and and event organizers pay the right amount of money to make sure that they get the staff that they need um, and ensure that's in their budgets in the top end because where people fall down is where they haven't considered mitigations uh, like testing and track and trace and the number of staff required to do those things without you know in advance of, of, of preparing so I think there's some people that will really thrive in that situation given how beautifully creative and crafty art industry is um but also others that will fall foul of that so so yeah i think it'll be a mixed bag so there is a bit of a double-edged sword going on there i think 
And and with with that as well, you mentioned it uh, mentioned it before as well. Is and and I think people don't really understand it. Is is how important is that uh, education piece, and why is it important? You know, the contact tracing, they're ensuring that the COVID safe marshals have the right training so that they can give the right information. It, it sounds daft, but people still don't get it. You know, what? Why is that so important? No, I don't think it's daft at all. And I think unless you kind of work in the world, you kind of assume people understand it, really. But I mean, it's the same as marshalling for any event and, and, and ensuring ensuring security and stewarding. At the heart of that is public safety. At the heart of that is people not getting hurt. And, and if you look at what happened in Israel last week, you only have to... To, you have examples. We have Droysburg. We have uh, going back to, to Hillsborough. You know, when things go wrong at events, they they um, and and crowds are involved. It uh, uh, you know you can see clearly what happens in terms of disaster. What this is about keeping people safe and keeping people happy, but it's also combining that with having great experiences, isn't it? Because if you're doing your job properly in this industry, you embrace. You have to embrace what the industry is about, and and that is about creativity. And you have to work with your clients to produce that so there's this balance between aesthetic and public safety and actually as as, as security and stewarding operatives and people who work in crowds you have to know everything about every part of your event is that exit too big is that you know other you know are those are those uh, staff secure is that back area secure you know you have to know every every gate every bolt every nut of the event and that's i think the thing that people don't really don't really get and and i think that's the case again with COVID marshalling you're doing things like setting tones for how a city is going to run and, and look and you know dan you know because of the great escape that we 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 manage people uh, through all sorts of crazy and wonderful ways of doing things so so we you know we we create you know um, social media streams and 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 you know ways in which people will collate you know collate information it's all in the communication and in, in the front end and that's also it's a science but it's also an art so you've got again this balance between between that and ultimately what happens when crowd safety isn't taken into consideration as people get hurt and so we're really about making sure people are safe and sound and also have a good time um so you know that's at the heart of it for me is always going to be public safety another part that you mentioned there as well and and another role that you that you play and that you've been working for for, for them for, for for years as well is the uk cma and who are yeah. they and what do they do and what's your role with them <laughs> they are so they they uh, the, the UK CMA the, the crowd management association is is the the really the only association that deals with crowd management in in the world at the moment it's a it's a really bespoke thing and it's been going for 20 well it celebrates its 20th birthday next month so it sort of started as select was starting and i joined early i wasn't the very i wasn't the very first companies to join but we're certainly in in amongst the long standing members uh, now and and i've been secretary for the association for 15 years nearly so i've been looking after um uh, an array of wonderful uh, and and lively characters who work in the the, the as either m- mainly security it started really with the the big security companies g4s chosec and and, and uh, those sort of larger larger companies show an event who who sort of started as quite a, a, a sort of a network of people to to really talk about the issues around the the security companies had um and it's developed over the years and particularly the last five years to just incorporate a uh, now sort of we're we're on you know over 80 members um and that's a mix of practitioners and and people who work in crowd 
did spaces and also people who still run large companies who provide sort of the the plans and the manpower for for a lot of the the, the work so the you know we, we're a really mixed bunch and and I'm, i just have the the absolute pleasure over the last five years for starting to really grow the association to start to work with it as secretary and so um you know there, there's there's a few little linchpins in the association and our board members and and we're a very sort of uh you know it's a it, it's it's a really progressive organization we we uh you know and we're about basically making sure we share information about crowds where there really isn't a forum for doing that anywhere else so and uh, you know it's it's brought in some beautiful things and we're starting to work a bit more globally on 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 uh potential alliances with some of the the, the wider wider piece so this is like the most positive thing in my world at the moment and the thing that i just love and relish and wake up for <laughs> and that's uh, that's that's amazing as well because I, I, one of the things and it, it's an elephant in the room and i don't think i'm uh, talking out of turn here is that you know when it comes to safety uh, risk management there's kind of almost a bit of a tut and, a, and an eye roll uh, at the paperwork that you have to do or it's uh, it, it might be deemed as dull or but even just hearing it in your voice you 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 obviously get uh, a great buzz and a and a and a, uh, and a feel for it, it, it it's it's amazing Oh, <laughs> oh, that's a really nice thing to say. And I, yeah, if if that comes out, then I'm I'm pleased because it's it is a passion and it's a passion to keep people safe and it's a passion to look after people and learn the lessons and things that we we've done, but doing a way that 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 still allows people to create beautiful things. It, it's you know that's that, you know, I'm I'm pleased to leave a legacy which includes that in my in my world. Um, that that's for sure. And and you know, but I, you know, so so it it is. And and I still work voluntarily. And but I. I probably work a full-time job with the UK CMA at the moment making sure that everyone's looked after and and but we were on a call yesterday and and sometimes you know it was a late call because it was with the uh, well it was it was an early call if you're in Australia but it was a it was a late call if you're in the UK and and we uh, um and and sometimes you talk about it and you remind yourself why you do what you do and 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 so it's it's very timely talking today because we just came off the back of a really lovely call yesterday which we were which we were reminding ourselves why we're doing it so so yeah how do you make it exciting um in the explanation as well because you would know as well that sometimes even the documents that you read and you'd be like oh god this is this yeah. is quite the quite the mammoth task to get through <laughs> with the ones we write and the ones we read i think you know it's like we do a lot of we, we we write some very extensive operational plans for clients and i think the nerd in me loves that and i find that fantastic but i know that it's not probably everyone's cup of tea and i don't know i mean how do you make crumb punishment sexy i guess is the question isn't it and I, you know i think you know for me it's about the the it's about the people it's not about the you know the systems um in enable the people and 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 events are such a cool thing to do because you get to go and and do such a wide range of things you know we're talking about fat boy slim you know and you mentioned in the up end about lumiere if you're working on like it's a massive light show across the whole of london you're lighting up london and seeing seeing some incredible reactions to that you know that there are some really beautiful pieces that we do in the world and you know and we also work on things like the people's vote march which is the, the million march in in london last year we safely get that from from park lane down to trafalgar square with with a million people i mean you know you you provide that kind of service to allow people to do that and you do that by 
using the combined skill of crowd management and talking to the agencies and knowing how to have conversations with police and council and talk the language as well. And that's, you know, I suppose that's what we do is to try and marry those two things. And, you know, and I, I think that's just something really important and special about that. And I think there are some people in the world that get that. And I hope that, you know, I hope it inspires more people to kind of consider it as a, it, you know, it's such an important part. It's such an intrinsic part is that, you, you you know, people leave their security companies to last to speak to often. And actually, it should be the first people they speak to because it, crowd management should be inherent in everything that everyone's doing. Are you seeing that change, given that you've been in the game for, for a fair amount of time in, in pretty much the same sector? Are you finding that that's changing, that opinion? Well, it's interesting because I think it's a little bit about education, isn't it? So we, you know, we've worked with some of our clients for 20 years, um, you know, that we we still have some of our, our original clients who we're working with. Even this weekend, Brighton Festival, I've been working with them since since the, the conception of Select. And so, you know, they, those those longstanding events, you, you educate and grow with them and they grow with you as well. And, and they learn and you learn from them. And and it's it's a, you know, there's there's harmony in that relationship and balance in that relationship. So, so I think, you know, education is key to that piece with the people that you work with on a long-standing basis and that spreads the word the industry isn't so large that it isn't uh you know that those things don't matter and uh, i think they do matter and and we you know i think the other piece of safety has become more important in people's worlds over the last year year and a half so so the the some of the understanding is improving but you know it is hard to it's hard to envisage which event organisers are just going to go, yeah, we'll just give you all the money you want to do what you need to do to make these things work. There, there's always going to be a, a battle with cost and people will soon forget if we're not careful. So our job is to remind them and inspire them in my head. We're talking about the the, the learning side of things as well, but yeah. what do you think What do you think we can learn from the industry now? It's a volatile space, but maybe we need to yeah. have more contingencies in place. Is that what's, what's, what's your learnings from it? Yeah, we've, I think we've got a ton of learnings. I think the way in which we think about the models of the events we do, it starts from from what you're putting on, doesn't it? You know, if you're putting on something which is not manageable or uh, it's just being realistic about what you can manage, I think. And, and you know, if it, open access events are going to become more and more difficult. And this isn't just because of COVID. I mean, in, in the UK, we're passing legislation to do with counterterrorism uh, soon, which comes out of the Manchester inquiry in, in the arena bombings. And, you know, We've been very close to that process at the UK CMA, so we've been working closely across that piece. And I think there's about to be some major changes. And 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 really, it, if if you can get the model right for the type of event that you do, you can actually do a really slick job. But it, it, certain models don't tend themselves to be easy to do or, or cost effective to do, in fact. Um, so, you know, it, it, un, until we start to build in these kind of, you know, everything from test and trace might be needed through to, to, to you know, vaccination passports. I mean, there's all sorts of things and that world's uncertain, but you can build in the mitigation as you would with any uncertain situation. You know, you just have to understand what the parameters of that mitigation might be. So, you know, just plan early, but plan wisely would be the only advice I'd give and get the models right so that you're doing something which is manageable. And this year for 21 in the UK would definitely be do small things, do, you know, don't try and do a massive greenfield site. Um, you know, we saw Brighton Pride, which is Brighton's biggest event, that cancelled yesterday. And we've been, uh, you know, working with the event organisers for 20 years on Pride. That's a, you know, huge part of our diary normally. And it's been a really difficult and emotional process to get them there. But they've made what we you know, all agree is a sensible and wise decision because from a safety point of view, they can't mitigate in time this year. So it's about doing things that are either 
the right size um, and, and a manageable, uh, you know, this year or and just being realistic. And I think that runs into 22 as well as I think we no politician anywhere has said you're going to be out of this by 22. Everybody has said there's going to be some long term changes. And what we need to do is try and just understand what those might be and mitigate for them early. For context of people, for context of people that haven't, uh, that don't know about uh, Pride, just just how big yeah. is that in the community, and and how and how many across how many venues and and spaces? Oh my God, it's like Christmas in Brighton. There's no other way to describe it. It's like uh, you know, a Christmas and Easter all rolled into one, and and um, it is a a massive deal for 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 Brighton. It's it's sort of like your Notting Hill Carnival in London. It's it has that kind of impact and it takes in the whole city. Everybody is is welcomes uh, LGBTQ uh, plus in Brighton anyway because that's what you know we we've always been a really uh, you know we're really tolerant and diverse city in Brighton. It's one of the reasons that I love living here. Um, but but you know it is it is Christmas and and, and cancelling it is like taking Christmas away for some people. I you know I have no doubt that that's how it must feel today a day after the announcements have been made. But um, you know at the same time it is better and the right decision to do things safely in 22 and to come back uh, with a big event. So, so you know, we'll be working from now to make sure that that happens. And event organisers are wise not to rest on their laurels. And, you know, there's always something positive to be found in, even if it's in planning for 22. Uh, you know, you know, I just feel like people shouldn't be lying down right now. They should be out there either diversifying or getting ready for their 22 events and getting funding to bridge the gap between that. So I'd say just be realistic about what you can achieve um, and, and you know, talk to people, talk to, to professionals about this stuff because there's lots of people out there who are there to help. I think that's an, that's another good point as well, you know, talking about the diversity. I mean, diversity in the industry itself. And I guess, I, I I wouldn't be false in in thinking that you know security specifically, maybe 15 20 years ago would have been more male centric and and probably to a specific uh, person probably would have been um, going for those roles. Are you seeing more change in that in that in that space in terms of the diversity of the people that you're getting in the industry? Well, certainly from 20 years ago, yeah, no question about it. I mean, I was probably one one of like two or three females on the door at that point in my world. And I think that was a, you know, you know, there there is certainly more understanding of diversity, but we have got a long way to go, particularly, particularly in senior management and security, but before at a point at which we're diverse. And, you know, unfortunately, it's not it's not the top issue for the industry it never really has been so so when you when we surveyed uk cma members diversity and, and inclusion didn't come very high on their concerns or all kind of key issues and i get that because there's a lot of things to contend with at the moment so it doesn't sit high on the priority but it's about instilling it uh, at all levels and i think you know the way I've always done that is to just go out and do and 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 be, uh, you know, as good at my job, if not better than other people who are around me. And that way we've still 20 years later got a business in, in security, which is a very high turnover industry in terms of companies. There's, you know, very few companies of our size that are left from 20 years ago. So so it's a, you know, I, I, I think um I have seen change. And actually, interestingly, I'm just writing an article for the Crowd magazine where their their edition seven, which is coming out in, in, in June, is women in crowd management. So, you know, there must be more of us because we're writing magazines. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's got to be something. But, but yeah, um, and I'm positive about the future there, but I also believe in equality and I don't believe in 
positive discrimination to get there. I think you have to, you know, basis on merit. So you have to change things in a way that's that's organic and, and in, you know, to make the kind of endemic change that we need to make to see the industry improve with that. But, but I guess that comes in, in different forms and different sectors uh, probably uh, are more uh, likely to, to push ahead with that. But I guess from, from you as a company owner of a security and stewarding company, how many other company how many other female company owners do you know within that within that sector uh so female company owners outright owners uh, mm. there's probably two two other female um owners in the uk and they're they're joint owners with other uh with with uh, male partners and and it you know so so no it's still a it's still a, a sort of very rare it's a very rare part of our world and when we look at the number of people who um who sort of subscribe to 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 or, or or within the UK CMA who are the representatives? It's definitely still male dominated. But actually, I don't think diversity is all about male female. I think diversity is about uh, the you know uh, BAME. I think it's about LGBTQ. I think it's about transgender. How you identify, you know, and and it's also about how vulnerable, you know and and uh, you know people can be because of those different elements of diversity that aren't always recognized and so you know i think we it's a very difficult playing field to to start from when actually we need to get an understanding of what diversity really is it's not male female it's not black white it's it's a, you know a myriad of colors and that makes the world a really beautiful thing but i don't think a lot of people within our industry necessarily appreciate that so i think there's some nuancing there should we say to do <laughs> yeah no, definitely definitely yeah. Annie. i think you yeah, think you won't be the only person that's thinking along those lines as well how do you get people to talk about it how does that change happen I mean, I, I think for me, it happens through through the associations and uh, and the working uh, with. You know, I'm I'm lucky enough to manage the social media for the UKCMA, so you can. It gives me a forum to message things across, and I think diversity sits quite high within that 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 for me for, for me within that piece, um, alongside safety and a number of other kind of all of our considerations at the UKCMA. So, I, I I think I found my voice through that, and I think people need to go and find their voice through their associations. There, there, you know, you can get active by volunteering in doing these things beyond what your company does so you know the, the thing is to be involved in the industry and to embrace that and not to to isolate yourself in a in 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 your own world in terms of what you do and what when, that's where you find commonality and that's where you find you know a a, a forum for that but if you're not careful, it can become a bit of an echo chamber. So what you need to do is push out further than that into people, to do, you know, doing wonderful things like this, Dan. <laughs> that's, that's great of you doing to say. Thanks, Annie. I think that's it. it uh, I won't say who it was, but uh, I've worked I worked for a, a company. Uh, I was looking after recruitment and we had maybe in a short period of time, we had about 80 to 100 and something uh, people that applied for the role. And not a single one of them was anything but uh, pretty much a, a white male. So I guess there's, there's other parts about that as well, is how do you get the diverse crowds to actually apply for the job as well? And, and I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, and I think as an industry, we 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 are asking those questions. I mean, I know that we we sit on a a group in Brighton called Epic, which is uh, basically the event producers independent committee that was started as COVID started and the lockdowns went in, and um, the wonderful Ian Baird and and Terry who were there, uh, you know, we're we're asking those questions every single time we talk to each other, which is how do we make the industry more diverse as a whole? And I think, um, you know, the the 
again, I don't think any of us have got the magic solution, but I think it is about how you ingrain diversity and, and integrity into your policies of, of, of what you do. And it starts with culture. So it starts right at the top with the culture being right. And once you get that, then you get the diversity and that comes. So, you know, my ragtag bunch of wonderful uh, steward security and, and you know, our, which which are essentially family. I mean, we're, we're all sorts of shapes, sizes, colours, you know, and we do not look anything like security. And I pride myself on being part of a team that, that that is like that and we don't all look big and burly and I think it again you know at the top end of the advert you know there is a lot that can be done to show your expressive company culture in in what you're doing and on your website and how you talk to people and and how you you know how you approach the application process so it's not you know it's not an advert goes out and an application comes in but it's a it's a got a process that's got a face and I think we forget that in this world that those things are really important and that's how you embed culture in your business and that's how you 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 become an example and you become a leader rather than you know sitting behind other people in these things so so yeah I mean I think we do it through two ways we do it through the association the education through that and we do it through our own company culture and and you know we have to do it every day and it's organic and but I think people need inspiration to to be able to see that as well and see it see it happening you know that you must have without even knowing it you must have inspired other women to to want to be company owners whether it's a security company a student company or whatever it is you must have inspired people to to do that as well just being in the role I I think it helps when and I I always love doing interviews with the students at, at university because they 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 don't you know they're talking to their teachers a lot of the time who are reading out of books and actually you know there aren't that many practitioners who work in university courses so to talk to practitioners gives them something really uh hopefully helpful and I find I'm really inspired by those processes a lot at the moment and and also you know working with 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 staff and and other people in in the industry basically you create your own support network don't you for these things and if you stay open-handed and give people the opportunity to always come and talk to you and you're 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 approachable in 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 that way um you know people will take the opportunity and actually if you can inspire people to do their own thing it's also inspirational for you to continue to do your thing and and you just have to find what your thing is and <laughs> you know i it, it is not a normal route for for someone coming out of the university to end up running a security and stewarding company you know it wasn't the route any anyone expected and when my brother when I was 20 years old and my brother said do you think it's time to grow up and come back to London and get a proper job then then you know the answer was no and I, I've been you know I think I forged my own path and and people <laughs> everybody will forge their own path in their own way it's it's about finding it so if you're not set in your career and what you're doing so so I kind of feel like the the investment comes in the people who are you know, at university, we're looking at doing it in the career to inspire them to try and understand the different routes and tell them to get on LinkedIn and do all that other stuff that no one else tells them to do. So, <laughs> yeah, the real, the real boring the flogging real yourself. <laughs> um, and you mentioned there the education sector. You're talking to to a lot of people there. You are also a part of some of the cons- consultation committees. What does that normally entail with consultation committees? Oh, well, well, it normally entails a lot of time and a lot of volunteer work and 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 being very committed to a process because you believe there's some benefit in 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 um in the legislative process so you kind of have to believe in law to do to do this stuff and the importance of it in, in things but you know actually I think you can't change it if you're outside it so for me I've always believed that you need to be part of the process to change it and I think so the consultation process really often give us a chance to get in at the very front end of, of things so like at the moment there's a 
there's a, a consultation for protect duty which is for the uh the bombings in 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 manchester in, 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 three years ago and and the 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 end of the process uh for the inquiry is is uh after manchester has led into looking at new legislation for counter-terrorism um and and uh, at the moment we're working across that with uh, various government departments and and uh, other stakeholders industry stakeholders and they're they this process is great because it gives us an opportunity to say a lot at the front end before we get too much uh, too far down the line of what's the responsibility in terms of counter-terrorism for private industry so you know for this one this one's really important to us um, and we need to get it right and support the the agencies to get it right but a lot of it is talking their language actually it's 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 also about learning to to speak a, a language that they understand the language of risk assessment and and you know that's a skill in itself so I think a lot of the time we you have to put a different hat on to do those things and but but at the end of the day, I really believe those things kind of support and help to the industry to to move forward. And you have to, if you have the experience, I kind of feel pretty duty bound to be involved in those things because I think that's where you can make the change. You mentioned as well, there's there's so many different moving parts and, and multiple stakeholders. I mean, agency liaison is one of your key areas of focus. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how hard is that to meet the needs of everyone you are dealing with? You're dealing with so many people at once. (laughs) Well, I think it's like, how many people can you keep happy? Um, Did you, did everyone get home safely? I think you've got to kind of, I think the, the older and more confident, I've got in the world of crowd management, the more I know what actually matters at the kernel of it is, is keeping people safe over keeping people happy. So I'm confident enough in the decisions I make that that, that does keep people safe as, as, as almost like at a, a gold command level. We, we you know, that's the kind of level of responsibility we have for the, the safety of people on our sites when we're working out on the ground. And you're never going to keep everyone happy. But like, you know, a big event, something like Lumiere, where you're spanning five boroughs in London and putting on light shows in each of those boroughs, then you've got the stakeholders are so wide that actually it takes teams of people to look after just the stakeholders but i think in the world of crowd management you you need to know everything from the the nuts and bolts on the gate to and how wide that exit width is through to what you'll you know what your crowd's going to do through to how are the agencies going to cope with that so there's like all these different levels and actually you need to really know I, I feel the most comfortable when I know every nut and bolt on a site and I've grown up with it and I've known it for years and you only do it once every year. So really in 20 years, you've only done it 20 times. So you don't repetitively practice large events. You know, it's not like working at a football stadium where you're doing it every week, week in, week out. Um, so there's no complacency over it, that's for sure. And there's always building of relationships each year. You kind of have to keep going around in a circle with the same information to different police officers who've just started working on the project or different, you know, because the agencies always change. So you've got maybe one or two stalwart people. But yeah, so it is an ever moving piece, really, I guess. So your, I mean, other people's measurements for success within arts and uh, entertainment and events is their measurement of the success is how many people have viewed it, how many tickets have been sold. But your measurement for success is basically that no one was injured or hurt. 
yeah and and the the number of incidents and accidents that you have and the number of of people that went through and the the time they went through but you know what success for an event has to be both you can't there, there is a massive balance between public safety and public experience you know you have to get that right and success doesn't come if you haven't got both those pieces in place and so to me the, the success has to be a holistic piece of 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 how many people viewed it and did it work and and was it successful for the artists and and the people who are paying you to do the work um and you know if if you can't marry those two things and there's never a success so something might be safe but if if it's not been good then uh you know but if it's been good and not been safe and i knew i know i come down on the side of feeling it's more important for safety but but both are important in balance do you think we do you think we're too safety conscious uh i think we just have to look at what happened in israel last week to say no i don't think we are i think you know if it, what happens if you don't have that right kind of planning in place and you don't have the right exit widths and you don't have the right um number of staff to deal with things or the, the right communications we could we have seen what goes wrong and actually i would always err on the side of caution and and not throw i think the more i know about it and the more i see incidents happening where you know and we've dealt with some you know this is a positive piece and so we're not going to go into the kind of things that we as security deal with but it can be very challenging and there can be some really difficult situations involving minors involving vulnerable people you know and you look at those things those situations so so i think i probably am more risk averse than, than most because i know and understand what can happen when it does go wrong um but i and i also think but but i also think if that is for the detriment of the aesthetic of the event then you have to be careful to get your balance right you know so you need to make sure it's public safety first always for me uh but, but you know there is if the event doesn't look good or feel good it, it has to marry um so so yeah uh, are we too safety conscious probably most people would say yes but i can see i i no i don't fall in the in in that in that world the people that haven't heard about what happened in Israel, what what's actually happened, and how do you think that they've mitigated that with with I guess safety and risk management? Yeah, I think everyone should go and read about it if they haven't seen it already. Uh, the the lag the lag festival in in uh, in Israel last week, where there was uh, essentially. It's hard to say exactly what happened yet because they're still putting the pieces together of what happened, but it looks to be a classic case of, of, of it could be a number of things uh, that, that have, have caused it. And the first would be the number of people that attended. It does sound like there was a large, a much larger number of people attending than we were expected. So, and it definitely sounds like the exit widths of the the um, area were not uh, sufficient to take the number of people leaving. And what you get when you get that situation, if you get a lot of people crammed into a small space, and it's a bit like Droysburg and the, the Love Parade, where a lot of people got crammed into a very small tunnel, and you get what's known as a progressive crowd collapse. So people just fall, and it's almost like a set of dominoes. And you've got various... You see it sometimes when you see a crowd wave go across a large festival. So I'm sort of likening it to events a little bit because actually a religious event is still an event and, and still too many people turned up and tried to go through an exit that was too small. So what it looks like at the moment is that there was something blocking the exit, which could be as simple as a piece of barrier, which causes a massive ripple and wave across a, a large number of people packed into a tight space and people just lose their footing. Um, so there's lots of examples of crowd, progressive crowd 
cloud collapses online and I do recommend people just go and Google it if they if they've got five minutes and a strong stomach to go and have a look at what kind of thing can happen. And I actually think what well, the findings of this we're still waiting for. So I need to preface all of this with this is my understanding of where we are right now and what I understand to be the case from the information people have given but we were just too many people into a smaller space so it's no different to the problem that we have at events um, and it is an event but of course as a religious event it is it is often treated differently and and what I think I think it is so this just opens up the door to say we need to start learning from across countries globally about crowd management and what we need to do is to create a forum for doing that because it's a really really missing thing in the world is we're not learning there is no forum for learning across global crowd management matters so you know i think if i was going to say there was a way that i think we can support and help the industry on a much wider level and lots of people all over the world is to start to have commonality in the learning between the raves and the religious events and mecca and and you know all these all these huge areas where we've had had problems so uh, yeah, I'd say that's that's probably the answer. With what's happened with the pandemic and the events industry, you know, there's a lot of technological uh, advancement in, I mean, people have been elevated to use QR codes, whether you wanted to use them or not. Do you th- is there anything to do that with a technological growth that you could see that would mitigate some of those risks? Actually, I think it's a series of mitigations. And I think, yeah, for sure. I think, you, you know, it would be silly not to consider the wider use of technology and, and the, the adaptability of people now to, to use technology. And, and kind of we've used it for a lot of years on things like The Great Escape, where you actually move people around using using social media and using their, their accounts to, you know, as ticket holders to to say things are open, things are closed. And so, you know, certain events have been reliant on that kind of technology for, for a long time. It's actually only an adaptation of what we've we've already started doing. But I think people's uh, ability to use it will change. But I also think that there will be, you know, there's not the public confidence in everybody as much as the industry would like to think that there is in going back to doing, you know, going back to events. So I think that, you know, we're we're not going to see the same number of people running to go into events as we, we have done because there's people are simply going to be more risk averse. So I think there's going to be like those, the, there are the eels and tiggers of the world, aren't there? And the tiggers are bouncing around waiting to get back to events and the eels like, not, not this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming to the end of the episode now, Annie, and I just, one of the things, I guess, ha- having worked on quite a few events uh, now, and given your passion for the the specific sector that you work in, is there a specific event that you would just love to work on? <laughs> what that we haven't already done? Yeah, <laughs> another new event in the world. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 well, there are a few. I mean, you've got those kind of those those holy grails. I mean, South by Southwest would be a fantastic learning experience, I think. And we we you know there are there are lots of our friends and colleagues of you know that that you know that we 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 all know there's a, a massive wonderful community there so that'd be really fantastic and I think you know uh, for me it would be about probably more more when the time's right international travel but no we've got some beautiful things lined up for this year already and do you know what I'm really happy with my lot and I'm really happy with where I'm at so although my my inspiration and challenge at the moment comes from trying to support the industry as a whole so so no you know as much as I'd love to say there are loads of things we'd love to work I'm also really happy as a person where we are so <laughs> 
Annie, that's uh, a great place to leave it. And just on behalf of, I guess, the industry, the stuff, the work that you're working on at the moment, just a huge thank you. I think it's um, it's really helping the industry get back on its on its feet as well. So, thank you for 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 doing the episode today, and and good luck with the rest of the future. Oh, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time as well, mate. That's fantastic.